mountain he won't climb, no shadow he won't light up to come after me. And that's what we're going to look at this morning as we continue looking in Luke. Uh, the parable of the lost coin says, Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God whenever one sinner who repents. This story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between the two sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land, and he wasted all his money in wild living. Hmm. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man began, became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but, one, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am, dying of hunger. May God bless his word to us. off my Darth Vader. <laughs> the, um, you know what's interesting is uh, you get used to this whole uh, mass thing and this week um, we've been watching baseball. Praise the Lord it's on. Right? Amen. My Padres are playing and uh, they're actually doing pretty good and I've been joking around with my son that of all the years to go to the world to be playing well this is not the year. Right? Because this year won't count. Right? Even if whoever wins this World Series, oh, oh that was the COVID year. <laughs> nobody, nobody wants that. So, uh, so what does it mean to be lost? What does it mean to be lost? When I was a child, my family and I, uh, we all went to the LA Fairgrounds, and in the LA Fairgrounds, they have this amazing, uh, huge outside uh, um, train setup thing. It's still there. And when I was a kid, I thought it would have disappeared, and then when we got stationed in Pomona, it was still there. I still enjoy uh, going next to that. In fact, when you go there to LA Fairgrounds during the fair time, there's a bunch of uh, families hanging around, kids running back and forth because the trains are going, and it's pretty exciting, right? So, uh, pretty exciting. At the fairgrounds, if you didn't know, up to 20,000 people or more go through the fairgrounds. It's, it's pretty massive. Um, so, I was out there, I was watching the trains with my, with my brother, and, uh, and we're just watching these trains running back and forth like all the little boys do. And uh, I turn around and I see my mom and I'm like, happy there's my mom. And she has a look of terror on her face because my little brother, who's five, is no longer standing next to me. He had wandered off. And you know, if you, it's hard to think about when you're five years old. Again, when you're five, you're, you're, you're tiny and all you see is knees and rear ends, right? That's all you see. And you think every knee and every rear end looks the same. So he followed her near, knees and rear end off and uh, disappeared. He's lost. So my mom is like freaking out and she 
has my sister and I, we sit down, we just stay right there. She talks to security. It's, you know, anytime parents, um, see, once you're a parent, you really understand this. Uh, once somebody finds out a kid's lost, you know, parents are always doing the same thing. Even if it's not your kid, you're like, what, what was he wearing? You know, what was she wearing? And so all these people are looking for my brother. And of course, he didn't just get wander off. He like wandered way off because that train thing is huge. He went down and around and around the other side eventually and then eventually followed a sea of knees and rear ends somewhere and, and uh, was completely lost. So it took a half hour to get him back. But man, my mom was just so happy when my brother um, got found. So when I think of this passage, that's what I think of. I think of what does it mean to be lost? To be that kid, right? Be that kid. You've fallen off on your own path, fallen a, a set of knees and rear ends, thinking it's going to lead you to the promised land, more trains, and you just wind yourself out there in the middle of uh, nowhere, and, and you don't know where your parents are. You don't know where Jesus is, right? Um, I don't know if you've ever been lost, but uh, that's what I think of. I've been lost plenty of times hiking, as uh, my wife knows. Um, sometimes I walk completely off the... Um, the map I'm holding, and uh, that's not a really good thing. So I've been lost that way too. But there's a great fear when you, uh, when someone's lost, you wonder, what if I'll never see that person again? And uh, what if I never see my brother again? What if I never see civilization again if you're hiking and you get lost? I know that what God is conveying here today is in this scripture is God is seeking and searching out the lost. And, but when we look at that, uh, actually we'll get back to it in just a second. In Luke chapter 19, verse 10, it's the key verse of the whole scripture. In Luke chapter 19, verse 10, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save um, what was lost. Or if you're a King James person, that which was lost. So, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. And that's the key for, of Luke, and that's the key for chapter 15 here. As you look at today's scripture, you're going to see two types of people that are hearing the same parables that Jesus is telling. Two types of people are hearing the same message but with different hearts, different hearts. Um, and I believe as I was reading through this, I was reading some scripture and I was reading some uh, commentaries and it was one of them I read, he talked about it from the standpoint of the Trinity and I said, wow, that really makes sense. In these three parables from the standpoint of the Trinity and that's where we're going to break it down in today. I, I pray that as we look at this today, we realize that um, you gain a better understanding of your total lostness. Because as believers, I think the more you grow, it's dependent on how and how you look at yourselves through God's eyes, and how desperately we need God. How desperately we need God in our lives. We need Jesus. We need salvation. You will gain a greater appreciation for what it took to rescue you, for what it took to rescue you from your own destruction. You know, this, in this uh, story, we are. Um, you want to go back a slide? In this story, we are the tax collector, the sinners, the Pharisees, as well as the sheep, the lost coin, the prodigal son, and the angry brother. We're all of those people. All of those people. All right, let's go to the next slide. Recognize the sinner in the story. You know, when, you're, when Jesus is telling this parable, uh, and you, you see Jerry, Jesus reading these parables, and you might actually feel this way yourself. You know, when I, when I read through the book of Judges, um, not so much now, but I was an early believer, I I would be struck by, how could these people be so stupid, right? It was like the same pattern over and over again. They're like, oh, Lord, we're with you. Save us. 
and then God delivers them. He sends them a deliverer, and then, uh, then they fall away, and then they, they reap the, the consequences of their sin, and they're hiding in cisterns, thrashing wheat, and all sorts of crazy stuff, and God brings another deliverer, and they, they cry out to God, and God brings another deliverer, and God delivers them. And then they're like, praise the Lord! And you'd say, wow, they're going to stay there this time. Nope. Nope, they're not. Back to the... And so, you know, when you're reading that, and you're young in your faith, and uh, you're like, I would never do that. Today, I'd be like, that's me. That's totally me. Thank you, Lord. You haven't given up on me. Amen. So there's two different verse people in this uh, scripture here. And believe it or not, you're both. I'm both. You're both. Before we can speak about the three lost items, we have to deal with the elephant in the room. Is the audience ready for the message? Is the audience ready for the message? Will they get it? Are they ready? And that's the question. You see, Scripture is very clear that not all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's some hard Scripture there. You know, there's a verse where it talks about God's going to separate the sheep from the goat, and there's the group that says, hey, Lord, we were prophesying in your name and doing all this great stuff. And, and the response is, depart from me, I never knew you, doers of iniquity, your King James. Wow, that's messed up. How about the ten virgins who all have lamps? They all have the same thing. They're all waiting for the bridegroom to arrive. And five are ready for his, they keep oil in their lamp, and five are like, well, you know, maybe it won't come right now. I'll get it later. And they don't get in. In Luke chapter 15, verses 1 and 2, it says, the parable of the lost sheep, it says this, now the tax collectors and the sinners were all gathered around to hear him. Notice they were there, but with different motivations. They were there. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Who cares? It's Jesus. Praise the Lord. Can we understand why the tax collectors are mentioned here? They're called publicans, and they would collect taxes for the Romans and uh, you know, they were really hated. The, the Jews saw them, if they were Jewish, as turncoats. Uh, they also skimmed off the top. So if the taxes were 10%, they would take 15% and keep them for themselves. So these would be very rich men. So Jesus isn't, when we think sinners, sometimes people think, oh, Jesus was talking to the homeless people here. No, these are influential men. Everybody in that room is an influential man. These publicans, these tax collectors, they are wealthy. They are wealthy. He didn't go out and say, oh, bring me 10 homeless people. No, these are publicans. These are tax collectors. They would be wealthy people. And then he had other people there, the Pharisees, again, influential people. And two sets of people are there. One is leaning in to find out what Jesus is going to say, and the other ones are sitting back like this saying, mm, he's eating with those tax collectors. It's all about attitude. You know, uh, this week, I was pretty proud of myself. I, uh, I actually told my kids when I was talking about this, I'd say the, the Pharisees would be the Karens in this story. Yes, yes. So I learned what a Karen was, and a better understanding of what a Karen was. And the term Karen is a phrase younger folks uh, use, and, uh, and they know uh, the older ones, us other older people, more seasons, may not realize what a Karen is. So let me just tell you what that means. It's a pejorative term, right? So it meaning it's a person to describe a woman who is perceived as entitled or demanding beyond the scope of what is appropriate or necessary. It's kind of like when you order a plain cheeseburger and you bring it back to McDonald's and say, hey, it wasn't plain. 
Uh, can you guys redo this? Uh, Karen would be like, what is wrong with you? Hey, we're in a plain cheeseburger. Are you completely dumb? You know, that would be a Karen, right? So this week, I had the privilege to speak with a person that would fit the term Karen. So, uh, so the, the church at Planned Parenthood comes out once a month, and they, they worship the Lord out there. They pray. I try to pray with the folks that are out there praying uh, over Planned Parenthood, because you know, I, I don't pray for their destruction. I don't pray for people to die over there. I just pray people to get saved. I claim that building in the name of Jesus. Someday it's going to be given to us, so we use it for something amazing and holy. And uh, that's what I'm praying for. <laughs> so this woman, I'm talk, I talked to the, uh, I'm standing out there with the cadet, and uh, you know, the captain comes by, says, hey, Major. I said, hey, how you doing? I talked to him for a little bit. The code enforcement guy comes by. I said, hey, Major. Hey, how you doing, Travis? The, uh, another policeman comes by. I said, Major, how you doing? So we're talking to the guys because, you, you know, you kind of meet these people all through town, right? So um, each time they're coming over to talk to me, Karen's over there with her phone. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, there's a handicapped guy pulls in, or a guy, he's got a walker in the back of his car. He pulls in one of the parking spots, and he uh, clearly has a placard on there. He's, he wants to worship with the guys across the street. And he's got his hand out the window every time they're praying. I'm just saying, praise the Lord, right? So uh, Karen eventually comes and, uh, over to talk to me, and uh, she points out this gentleman. She says, I, I heard you won't let us to park in your parking lot. I said, that's true. I said, we need parking for uh, our guests and our staff and our volunteers. And, and then she says, well, he's with them, the handicapped guy. In other words, can you kick the handicapped guy out? <laughs> and I was like, I'm not going to kick him out of here. What, he's not going to go drive over there and use his walker to walk back all the way over here. He's fine. But it's the, it's, I guess what really hurt me, and I've been praying for this woman. I've got to find out her name. She has so much anger and bitterness in her heart that, that these people across the street are just praising the Lord. They're singing. They're praying. They're giving testimony. It's very exciting. And here she is. Her friend is, you know, using hand gestures you shouldn't use. And sometimes those people are out there with signs you shouldn't show. And, and, what a, what a difference. Sometimes you've got to realize which sinner you are in the story. We're Karen in the story. We're Karen. Ah, some, many, just spend their lives listening to the Word of God and never applying it. I've shared this story many times, but uh, how many times have I gone to a Salvation Army ARC or a shelter, and I've met people that, that make me feel embarrassed about my lack of knowledge about God's Word. I mean, they can quote Scripture like crazy. They can tell me stories in God's Word I didn't even realize were in there. And yet, here they are, sitting in the Salvation Army facility, still struggling with, with things that I don't struggle with. And the issue there is they're ever hearing and never applying. Ever hearing, never applying. So when we ask, when we look at this, when we start this journey through these three parables, you have to ask yourself the question, who am I in this story? Am I ever listening and never applying? Am I the, the Pharisee who comes in and says, I dare you to bless me today, Major? Well, I'm not going to. It's only Jesus that can bless you. I'm just going to sit up here and blather on about what he told me to say today. It's only the Holy Spirit's going to get you. I have nothing to do with that. All right, second idea here is, is uh, Jesus, the shepherd, he searches. Again, the whole idea of Trinity. I love this uh, picture 
this would be the picture. If I was going to put a picture up in the, in the lobby, it would be this one. Um, Jesus carrying the sheep. Love that picture. And uh, this is the story where Jesus says, suppose you have 100 sheep and you lose one. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I found my lost sheep. See, Jesus was the salvation. Because what do we do with salvation? We're always having a party. So, doesn't he do that? Rejoice with me, I found my lost sheep. I tell you, in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who don't need to repent. Amen. You know, a shepherd's responsible for his sheep. He's uh, responsible to bring it to water, the food they eat, their health, their safety. He leads them from location to location. And, uh, you know, I read a book one time about sheep. Um, I still have that thing. Surprising how much you can put in about sheep in a book. But it's about 300 pages about sheep. And the main idea you get from that is sheep are stupid. And they need a shepherd. They need a shepherd. They will all literally walk off a cliff together if the first one goes. Um, sheep get lost because of their own stupidity. They want to go on their own way. They wander off. They fail to understand the danger of being out there because they're just eating away and just walk, walk, walk. Interesting here is that the Pharisees were to be the shepherds for the people. They were charged with taking care of God's people. They were charged with feeding them. They were charged with leading them to water. However, over the years, they had left the safety of the shepherding and now they were lost in their own wilderness. And you know, the lost can't lead the lost. Just can't happen. So the shepherd in the story goes after the one sheep, and the shepherd here being Jesus. He searches the sheep out, he goes into the dangerous countryside, and continues to search until he finds the sheep. And I know you've seen these pictures, there's great pictures of the scripture where Jesus is standing on, a, the shepherd's standing on, of course it's Jesus, standing on this cliff, and he's reaching down, saving this sheep right before an eagle comes swooping in to try to steal the sheep, or kill the sheep, right? It's a great picture, another great picture. So Jesus does that in this picture, and he says, what happens when he finds the sheep? There's great joy. Great joy. Throws a party. But notice that the parable has nothing to do with the animal. Notice that it has nothing to do with that. It has to do with us. Jesus is searching us off when we wander away. Praise the Lord. When we wander away, Jesus is searching for us. He's constantly searching for us. Constantly putting people in your life to share scripture with you. Constantly putting people in your life to, to encourage you to say, you can do it. You can make it. Constantly putting people in your life to bring you back to the foot of the cross, to love you. And when you're found, there's great rejoicing. Our part is to allow ourselves to be rescued. That's big. You know, when you go to the petting zoo and your child wants to pet that sheep, you know what? Sheep don't want to be petted. If you have food in your hand, they're all over you. But you had no food, that sheep wants nothing to do with you. So that your child is sitting there chasing that sheep around the yard because he has no more food in his hand. You have to want to be rescued. You have to want to be rescued. To allow ourselves to be rescued, to surrender to the rescue Jesus is offering is our salvation. You see, the audience here were the sinners, of which they all were, and which we all are. The sheep who'd gone astray. And Jesus is there, I want to rescue you. I'm going to help you out. They wanted rescue. Who are we in this story? Who are we in this story? Second idea here. Third idea, sorry. The Holy Spirit searches. 
The parable of the lost coin. Uh, suppose a woman has ten silver coins, loses one. Does she not light a lamp, sweep the house, and carefully find it? And when she finds it, what does she have? She has a party. Has a party. Calls her friends. Rejoice with me, I found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you that there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. This story connects with the two. Jesus says, or, when he tells this story. Now, the silver was probably a drachma. It represented about uh, 10 days of work for these 10 coins, so it's a considerable value. But notice what she does. She lights a lamp, and she sweeps the house. She seeks to find it. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. It's the light of the Holy Spirit, right? He's searching your house to, to find you out. He's searching for you. He's searching for the part that's missing in your life. He's searching to clean out the garbage in our life. The power of the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit is working in your life. Sweeping the house. I love that she never gave up. Don't you love that? Never gave up. I don't know about you, sometimes when I'm searching for something, can't find it, sometimes I give up, run out to Home Depot, buy another one. And then you know what happens as soon as I get home? I find it. Never gave up. Every coin has value, but a coin that is lost cannot be used for its purpose if it's lost. You cannot be used for your purpose if you're lost. God's got a plan for you, a great plan, a path for you. But you can't be on that path if you choose to be lost. God's got something amazing for you. You have such great value, and the Lord's got his spirit in you to lead you along that way. But we have to listen to what he's trying to tell us so we can reach our full potential. Again, this story, when the coin is found, the woman calls her neighbors, a great rejoicing. The Holy Spirit is always calling out to us, initially for our initial salvation, but every day, saying, this is what I want you to be doing. We have to listen. Sometimes he calls us, isn't it crazy stuff? And you're like, Lord, I don't know if this is, I'm the right guy. I don't know if I'm the right guy. But he always equips. The audience here finds uh, the story, obviously, receptive. They understand the coin thing. And, uh, but they have to be used for the glory of God. But there's people that are in this audience here that are, they're rich. They're rich. Jesus is talking to rich men. And he's telling them that the value isn't you. The value is not what you can do. It's what the Lord's going to do in you and through you. Who are we in this story? The father waits for his son to come home. That's our, uh, fourth one there, next one there, Josh. Uh, this is the story of the prodigal son. We, everybody knows this story. It's one of those few stories in God's word that a lot of people, even unbelievers, actually know. And the story has two sons who are going to uh, receive the father's inheritance. One of them wants it early. So he asks for it early. He runs off to a, a, a far-off place. It's kind of like the sheep who wandered off. Gets his father's inheritance, runs off. Um, he then squanders the wealth on wild living, and not just one coin is lost, but all of his coins are lost. You know, there's, uh, I, I read, uh, I tell you this all the time, but I read, uh, you know, Fox News. That would be definitely news from the right. And then I read the Daily Mail, which is uh, news from the far off left, like over the horizon left. But in the, in the Daily Mail, every once in a while, they have a, a little photo essay of um, TikTok people and YouTubers and all sorts of other people who have, like, loads of money. And so, you know, they take pictures of themselves with, like, piles of cash in their Lamborghini and uh, with all this expensive alcohol and all this other stuff, so that other people can envy their, their stuff. And every time I see that, I'm thinking, 
There's the, par- the prodigal, the lost son, right there, literally happening in front of your eyes. Well, this guy wanders off, uh, squanders all his wealth and wild living, and uh, he finally gets a job feeding pigs. Now, remember, only Gentiles could have pigs because they were unclean by Jews. He's so hungry and low, he's living with pigs and can't even eat the food that they're eating. And I don't know about you, if you've ever been around pigs, they stink. They stink. And they're smelly, and uh, pigs, when they get angry, can attack you. So it's really kind of a messed up thing. For this man, he's totally lost, and uh, those walking by will consider him a man of no value. Now, can you imagine that? A few weeks later, he was a guy living high on the hog. Look at me, how awesome I am. And here he is now. He's living with the pigs. He's lost. Uh, Now, I'll tell you one thing. You're not going to invite this guy into your house full of pig feces. Yet the son remembers how kind his father was to his servants. And at least he would have food of a servant if he returned home. So what does he do? He gets up and he goes home. He repents on the way there. I'm going to tell my father I'm not worthy to be called a son. Please hire me as a hired hand. Uh, Now, notice something that's different here than the other two parables. And it's clear. There's something really big in this parable that is different from the other two. In this parable, the father does not search out the son. In this parable, there's no part in this parable where the father says, you know what, my son ran off, let me just go check on him. In this parable, the father doesn't send off messengers to find out what his son is doing and say, hey, you know, remember your dad loves you. If, um, if you ever mess up, you're, you're always welcome here. Nowhere in this parable do you find that. The sheep was lost, and it had to be found. The coin was lost, and it had to be found. The son was lost, and it had to be found. The father wanted the son to come home, but the son had to realize he was lost. That's a key part of this whole story. The Pharisees are listening to this story. And remember, their attitude is not a great one. We're not the lost one here. He's eating with these sinners. It's not us. Yet they were lost, just as lost as the other ones. Listen to that story. Oh, what's cool here is this next part. The son's walking back. He's probably feeling super dejected. You can get that from the scripture. And uh, what does the father do when he sees him running off? Now, I don't know if the son took a shower before he went and decided I better clean myself up because dad's going to think I stink Or maybe his dad smelled him coming from a long way off and said, what is that? Right? We don't know how that took place. In my imaginative brain, it's a combination of that. What is that thing walking down the road and how can I smell it from here? But his father recognizes his son. And what does he do? He gets up and he runs. He runs. He runs towards them and wraps his arms around him. Puts a big old amazing coat on him. Puts a ring on him. What he said was, you're part of the family. You're part of the family. Acceptance back into the family. But the son had to realize he was lost. And the son realized that his father loved him. His father loved him. He thought he was going to be a servant, and his father made him a son. Amazing. I want to recognize why the son came home. Because he recognized the goodness of his father. He recognized the goodness of his father. 
What the world had to offer was not it. But what his father had to offer was sonship, acceptance, love. Being with, with pigs was bad for sure. But he could have gotten up from there and gotten a job doing something else. But he went home. God is the father. God the father is the father in this story. His, he sent his son to search us out, to bring us the gospel, to love us. And, uh, and we have to accept and realize that we're the lost ones here. And by the way, even if you gave your life to the Lord 25 years ago, 100 years ago, whatever it is, you're still lost. You still need Jesus every day, every moment, every moment. There's the fourth son here. Meanwhile, the older son's in the field, and when he came near the house, he heard the music and the dancing. So naturally, he's like, whoa, we're having a party. What's happening? So he goes over there, and his brothers come home. Dad kills the fatted calf, and his older brother becomes angry and refuses to come in. Now, the younger brother, the fact that he had asked the father for his inheritance was a slap in the face to the father. You know, he could have been stoned to death for that. So the fact that the father ran out to get him says a lot. And here the older brother, who stayed there, was disrespecting the family by not being part of the, 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 the party. And the, the father then explains the whole idea that um, you've been with me the whole time. You've been with me the whole time. And uh, said, my son, the father said, you've always been with me and everything I have is yours. But we celebrate and be glad because a brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he's found. Amen. Amen. Sometimes as believers... Uh, we can turn into the Pharisee side because we can start thinking that I'm not that guy, I'm not that lady, or that message is not for me. And when you do that, you stop growing. And what we're working on as we look through Luke is the whole idea of spiritual growth. We're moving forward every day as we spend time in God's Word and we read it and we study it and we pray about it and we pray with others. We're growing spiritually. Because if you're not growing then you're slowly dying. You're slowly dying. So there's two types of people here. Three lost items that are interrelated. And what we can take from this is, number one, God is actively searching you out. Even if you're saved, he's actively searching you out. Actively saying you have value. Actively trying to rescue you from every time you wander off. Actively trying to help you. Actively to, to lead you and to pull you back in and to carry you on his shoulders. He's actively doing that. With that lost coin, God's saying, I want to find that other piece of you that I can use for my glory. The part that, that you've been thinking is too hard for me, Lord, is God saying, no, is that, that's too hard for you. Of course it is. It's not too hard for me. God's going to use you some kind of ministry for his glory. Number three, we have a home in God. And everybody has a home in God. Even my friend Karen. Praying for her salvation. She has a home here. She has a home here. Hmm. We all have a home in God. We have to stop listening to the inner voices that tell us, um, inner voices of fear, inner voices that uh, tell us we have no value, inner voices of God can't forgive me for that, or inner voices of whatever's going on in your brain, and listen to the inner voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to us. That's what we need to listen to. Chuck Smith used to say, and I know you probably got it from somebody else, every one of us has a God-shaped hole in our life that can't be filled with money or jobs or things or power or nothing. Only be filled with God. But that hole can't get filled while we're 
not listening to him. When we decide to remain lost, we decide to remain hidden, we decide to remain on the path of our own doing. In the story of Adam and Eve, uh, we left the garden in the presence of God, and I want to tell you that God-shaped hole is us being homesick every day. Every day. We were created for communion with God. Ah, these parables remind us that Jesus is aggressively and actively seeking us out. Actively seeking us out. We need to hear the message of God this morning. Again, there's obviously the lost, but never put ourselves in a position where we think that we're not one of them. Shakespeare said, the wise man knows he's a fool, and the fool thinks he's wise. Uh, or better said, the wise person knows he is lost and returns home to the Father. The audience at the beginning of this chapter has the sinners and the Pharisees, both, el- next slide, Josh, both eligible to hear the message, and both heard the message. But who responded to the message? Will we be the sinner who applies God's word and says, thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Thank you, Jesus, for finding that part of my life you want to use for your glory. Thank you, Jesus, that I have a home in you. Praise the, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Or will you hear the message with the arms crossed and say, I carry the blessing. I ain't got nothing for you. I don't feel fed. Better be saved than to be caring. Let's pray. Mm. Lord, thank you for uh, your word today, Lord Jesus. And uh, we do pray for your, uh, your continued presence in our life, Lord. And this morning, Lord, we, uh, we can't come to the altar because of the uh, COVID thing. But Lord, we can come to the altar of our hearts, right where we sit. Lord, I just pray this morning that if there's somebody in here that's completely lost, uh, gone their own way, maybe they're the prodigal son in this story, Lord, I surrender our lives to you this morning, Lord, and uh, come see me, come see one of the pastoral staff, and so we can pray with them, Lord, and just put them back in your arms, Lord Jesus. And I pray for any of us that have wandered off and are on our own little path, Lord, uh, we're saved, Lord, we're part, of the, we're part of the fold, but we're just wandering off on our own thing. Lord, that we, this morning as we spend time in prayer, that we just... Uh, come back to you, Lord. Allow ourselves to be rescued, Lord. And also, Lord, for any of us here, whether here or listening online, whatever it might be, Lord, where you've been speaking into our hearts, telling us, I want to use you for this, and, we, and uh, to allow, your, allow ourselves to be used in that way, Lord, for that coin to be found, and our value in you could be polished and used for your glory, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we are, um, we are your people, Lord. And we know that you love us in a great and amazing way. Lord, we can't do this awesome work that you place before us without your power, your Holy Spirit, without your presence in our lives, Lord. And you know what's going on in our lives. You know what's going on in our families. Lord, you know everything about us. Lord, so Lord I just pray that all the different things that we might have in our heart right now, we just lay on your altar. And assurance, Lord, that you're in charge and you're going to take care of it all, Lord. And that we might faithfully be good stewards of what you've been entrusted to us. Lord, your word. Lord, faithful with each other, Lord, and lifting each other up in prayer. Lord Jesus, and, uh, and faithful to following the leading of the Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we uh, ask these things in boldness. In the name of Jesus, amen.